Hey everyone, Saltgrass Steakhouse is now open in Mishawaka. Wrangle up the crew and head down to Saltgrass Mishawaka for an unforgettable experience. Sink your teeth into mouth-watering char-grilled, certified Angus beef steaks. Sip on ice-cold craft cocktails. And don't forget to try the famous Spicy Range Rattlers, all made daily in the Scratch Kitchen. Start making delicious memories at Saltgrass Mishawaka, 5126 North Main Street, across from Lazy Boy Furniture Galleries. Dine with us today. Live from our WSBT Radio studios in downtown South Bend. Let's go! Come on! Welcome to Budweiser's Weekday Sports Beat. Wow, don't blink. A lot of major intestinal fortitude going on here. On your home for Notre Dame football. Knocked down by Wooden. The game is over. The Irish has upset Florida State. Notre Dame is number one. And Notre Dame basketball. Number one ranked UCLA Bruins have been upset by the Irish of Notre Dame. Good! Enrique Ogunbowale wins the national championship for Notre Dame. Plus fighting Irish hockey. They score! Jake Evans scores! Notre Dame. seconds away from a spot in the national championship game. The NFL and Major League Baseball. Oh my gracious, how about that? Sports Radio 960 WSBT, WSBT WSBTRadio.com, the free WSBT Radio app. Big time budgets. Now here's your host, seven-time Associated Press Broadcasting Award winner, Darren Pritchett. We've got about 52 minutes until the Major Major League Baseball trade deadline hits. As of right now, the Cubs have not traded. Catcher Wilson Contreras, the roundfielder Ian Happ, David Robertson, the closer, goes to Philadelphia for a double-hay right-handed pitcher. The White Sox, they've been quiet so far today. But the big news, Juan Soto from the Washington Nationals, to the San Diego Padres. More on that in just a second. Hope you're having a great afternoon. Darren Pritchett with you. Sportspeed brought to you by our title sponsor, Budweiser, the king of beers, locally distributed by United Beverage Company of South Bend. Baseball fans, this Bud's for you. By Barnaby's of Mishawaka and Granger, serving our community while serving Michiana's most favorite pizza since 1978. The Food Bank of Northern Indiana. Hunger is the story we can end. Find out how at feedindiana.org. And by Pet Refuge, urging you to adopt, don't shop, or new beginnings, have happy endings. Earlier today, Juan Soto and Josh Bell traded by the Nationals to the Padres for Luke Voigt, C.J. Abrams, the number one prospect in the Padres system, Robert Hassel III, the number three prospect, James Wood, a very intriguing 18-year-old, the number 14 prospect, Jarlin Susana, and also a high-end left-handed pitcher in Mackenzie Gore. Some believe one of the biggest trades in Major League Baseball history. Well, my first guest of the show knows a lot about some of the players the Padres gave up today to the Washington Nationals. A good friend from the Midwest League broadcast booth is John Nolan from the Fort Wayne Tin Caps, where the South Bend Cubs are playing tonight at Parkview Field. But we're not talking Cubbies tonight. We're talking about this very interesting trade that took place earlier today. First off, John, good to hear your voice as always. How are things in Fort Wayne? 
Darren, it's great to hear your voice. I have to admit I have a bit melancholy uh, here today, maybe for multiple reasons, but including, including for the fact that we've got the, uh, the South Bend Cubs here, but missing you. Um, but glad to connect with you uh, in this way. And I will throw in just one quick South Bend Cubs note. Uh, their top uh, prospect outfielder, Pete Crow Armstrong. I know he was out of the lineup over the weekend in South Bend, but for any fans worried, uh, he's back in there leading off uh, tonight for this series opener. But, yes, obviously that's very secondary uh, compared to what's going on um, today considering the, uh, the Padres and the trade deadline. I thought you were going to break news that he got traded. I'm like, whoa, we're going to have something really no, big no. right there. <laughs> we're sh- I mean – no, but it is funny, actually. This series is a great juxtaposition here of how affiliates can be affected because yeah. for Fort Wayne now, we've lost four players in the last 24 hours, including two as part of uh, a deal to the Red Sox with guys who are in the lineup tonight who are now out, and so I've got to scramble to figure out who's going to play. But on the other hand, I mean, we're kind of waiting here to see who the, the Cubs could be uh, acquiring as far as prospects and maybe if anyone winds up with South Bend later this week. But uh, in the meantime, yeah, the big piece here was that Robert Hassel, the third uh, center fielder, top-rated Padres prospect, he's one of those guys who's uh, now going to be on his way to the Nationals organization. Let's start with the two outfielders the Padres gave up. You mentioned Hassel, and a guy I'm really intrigued by. I've read about this guy a little bit today, watched some video. A big left-handed bat, number three prospect in the Padres system coming into today in James Wood. I would have to imagine those are two guys you hate to give up, but when you're going to acquire Juan Soto and also a guy who's hit the ball extremely well this year, Josh Bell, you have to give up some high-end talent. But Hassel and Wood, that has to be really one of the keys to the deal along with Abrams. Yeah, and Hassel still just 20 and Wood still even just 19. And Abrams, who's been up in the major leagues as a shortstop this year, uh, with 21, I think. But, yeah, I mean, clearly the Padres have been trying to make an effort here in recent years to go for it. And, you know, whether it was uh, signing Manny Machado or, you know, securing Fernando Tatis Jr. to a long-term deal. So many other trades that they've already made getting guys like you Darvish and Blake Snell and uh, yesterday, you know, Josh Hader, the list goes on. I mean, they are clearly in a mold. They've been around for more than 50 years without winning a World Series, only making it to the World Series a couple of times and not since 1998. I mean, they are pretty uh, pretty darn determined <laughs> to be playing deep into October. And, I mean, this is just such a unique situation where you've got a generational talent like Soto who is available. And, you know, Darren, I think – we both have had the unique experience of being uh, up close and personal with young minor league players. And there is a difference between guys who become major league players and guys who really impact a major league team. And so I think I respect what the Padres are doing. I think they're acknowledging that they've got a lot of quality pieces that certainly, you know, add them up. Uh, You know, they've had a, they've had success with, with guys that they've had, um, in recent years, but there's a difference between guys who are, you know, nice major league players and then superstars. And the more superstars you can add up, you know, that's going to really increase your chance of not just making it to the playoffs, but actually, you know, being one of the last teams trying to win it all at the, uh, the end of October. And so I, I respect what the, uh, the Padres are doing. And um, yeah, I, I, you always do feel a little bit of an attachment to your prospects. And I will just follow up on your point there that even though technically the sources tended to have Robert Hassel ranked number one, James Wood, I think, 
talking to some people in the organization mm-hmm. or around the Padres, I think James Wood is actually the guy that they were, uh, you know, internally probably thinking is the, the toughest to give up because he just has such a high ceiling. You described that he is a freak athlete at six foot seven, wow. but he's lightning quick playing center field. He was just a second round draft pick out of high school last year. There were kind of some questions uh, about him coming out of high school, but so far this year he's been uh, been phenomenal. So they kind of think. The ceiling is really high for him. However, he's, again, still just playing at the single-A level, still just 19. So you, you don't know what, how things are going to pan out. You do know that Juan Soto uh, makes your team a whole heck of a lot better. And now the, the Padres have the, uh, the pieces to battle with the Dodgers in the National League, the Mets, and um, try to win the World Series. John Nolan is the voice of the Fort Wayne Tin Caps, the Padres affiliate in the Midwest League. Obviously, the Padres are a big winner today. We'll see if the Nationals are going to be a big winner a few years down the road. You know who also is a big loser today, in my opinion, John, in Major League Baseball because of this trade? Fans in cities like Cincinnati and Pittsburgh who look at San Diego, and even though the weather's a lot better in San Diego, but... The market sizes are in the same ballpark, and Cincinnati and Pittsburgh continues to just trade guys, and they get prospects, and now the fan bases are like, well, when we get these prospects, how long before we just trade them as well? They just never seem to have built a foundation, while the Padres, man, they are going for it. Their owner wants to bring the first World Series championship to San Diego, so on a day that's so exciting for Padre fans, I really feel for fans in like Cincinnati and Pittsburgh, they have to watch what the Padres are doing and have to be very jealous. Yeah, and it's hard to kind of get inside the psyche of these billionaires because yeah. it's really just hard for us uh, common folk to relate. But yeah, I mean, credit to Pete Seidler in recent years, he's become the uh, majority owner for the Padres. And um yeah, I guess, you know, he's putting his money where his mouth is in terms of, like, just being all in and even trading. They've just traded away Eric Hosmer to the Red Sox and are going to be, like, paying him still tens of millions of dollars. So, yeah, they're at that point now where yeah, they're even just paying guys not to be there uh, compared to a, a crazy stat I just saw that now on the Reds, like you mentioned, it seemed that's being cheap, the fifth highest paid person on their roster he's not on the roster it's Ken Griffey Jr. somehow they're still paying Griffey a few million dollars and nobody otherwise they've got all these young guys who aren't even up to the to that status yet so yeah I mean again credit to uh, Pete Seiler the uh, the owner of the Padres and uh, yeah I'll just say this hopefully he doesn't run out of cash so that if the Padres win a World Series there's enough rings to go around here in northeast Indiana and, and Fort Wayne too. <laughs> Hey, John, I know a lot of baseball fans know about Abrams. They know about Mackenzie Gore. Gore got off to a great start this year, faded down the stretch, now has an elbow injury. But I'm curious, being a part of the Padres organization, I know you keep an ear to the ground on some of the guys who eventually would make it to Fort Wayne. Had you heard much about Jarlin Susana, the 14th-ranked prospect in the Padres system? I, I understand he's 18 years old. He's like 6'6", smooth delivery, electric fastball. I'm just curious if you know much about him because it sounds like he was a very important part of this deal. Yeah, and I can't say I really know too much more about him than what you just said, but what I do know is that, again, you know, when we look at these uh, top 30 rankings, whether it's MLB.com or Baseball America or elsewhere, mm-hmm. they're a good guy, but 
you know, frankly, MLB.com, they didn't really update theirs all season long. And so I can just – I can tell you there's guys who they've got listed uh, in some organizations' top 30 prospects who aren't even everyday players in single A or high A anymore. So um, I think probably when you see, oh, you know, only a number 16 prospect, probably misleading. I think the people who know know that a guy like Susana there – um, has a again greater uh, kind of greater value going forward, and another thing that you got to credit the uh, the Padres as an organization for is their commitment to scouting. Yeah. Um, you know, we're talking about like crazy, but like 13 year olds in the Dominican Republic and elsewhere in Latin America and around the world. And so I think, while on one hand it's like wow they're trading away, <laughs> I don't even know what the grand total is going to be, but uh, over the last few years combined. They've traded away an entire top 30 prospect list without exaggerating. However, they have tremendous scouts and as well as, you know, kind of knowing which guys to take a gamble on coming out of uh, high school or in some cases like junior college. So uh, this is also a real testament to their scouting uh, department so that, you know, they've got guys who other teams uh, covet that they were a little bit wiser to uh, bring into their system. And, John, for people in Fort Wayne who are baseball fans and you who covers the team and calls the games, you guys have been very lucky to have the Padres as an affiliate because, as you just talked about, the scouting has been remarkable. They have hit on top picks. I'm, I'm trying to think of the kid who's now in Pittsburgh who I saw several times in Fort Wayne. Sawinski, is that his name? Yeah, Jack. Yeah, Jack Sawinski, who was from who, uh, Chicago. Went to a public high school in Chicago, yeah. And then, uh, yeah, for a while he was leading uh, NL rookies in home runs. And, uh, yeah, I mean, we've gotten – I think we've – without exaggerating again, I think we've probably seen more rising major leaguers than any other uh, you yeah. know, minor league team at the single-A or high-A level. I will say this, part of the, the downside of that, though, is that a lot of these times, uh, in part because guys wind up being traded or they're just being y- – they're young and being challenged. I haven't seen a lot of wins in Fort Wayne. Right now I'm a little bit jealous of uh, the South Bend Cubs being <laughs> in first place in their division. But, uh, yes, it definitely is cool in retrospect when you look ahead um, or you know, go ahead a couple of years and then in retrospect you look back and, you know, how many how many guys uh, we, we've seen who are major leaguers. And then, uh, you know, this year there were five former Fort Wayne players who were all-stars. And that doesn't even include Tatis since he hasn't mm. played this year due to, yeah. uh, to injury. But he's at the top of the list and – then, yeah, they wind up with other organizations. All five of those guys were all-stars for teams other than the Padres. Um, but, yeah, certainly it makes it, uh, makes it interesting, if nothing else. All right, let me leave you with this question. This is a tough one. It kind of feels like, and I know there's still a little bit of time left before the trade deadline is, is here, but four teams have separated themselves from the pack in the National League. The Padres, the Dodgers, the Mets, the Braves, the Brewers, I'm backing off on them. They traded Hater. They're the type of team they have to think about next year and the year after that as they try to stay competitive due to the financial tough times they have at times up there in Milwaukee. So as you look at the Padres, Dodgers, Mets, and Braves, off the top of your head, can you rank those four teams heading into the stretch drive of the pennant drive in the major leagues? Yeah, and I have to say, I always admire your professionalism, Darren, but maybe more, never more so than now for you as a Cardinals fan here to kind of just grit through this conversation without screaming and yelling about how St. Louis didn't give up the prospects that probably could have been even better uh, for the Nationals to get Juan Soto. 
But uh, I still have just a ton of respect for the Dodgers. I still, even though the Braves knocked them off last year, I still feel like the Dodgers are the class of the National League. So I still got to put them one. Now I'll, I'll jump the Padres up to two. Um, uh, I grew up a Mets fan. I don't know what to think of the Mets, uh, and they're being oddly quiet <laughs> so far <laughs> at the deadline here. Uh, I guess I got to respect the reigning champs as a brave three and would slot the Mets at four. But, uh, yeah, you got to feel like if you're a fan of any of those teams, you've got a, a legitimate chance to, uh, to see your team going to the World Series. John, my team last year at the deadline acquired J.A. Happ and John Lester, so my expectations have have dwindled through the years. In fact, I think we probably have contacted Joaquin Andor. I don't know if he's still alive or not, but he might be able to help St. Louis from his days when he pitched there in the 80s. So that's that's kind of the standard that I have set for my team. It's It's kind of disappointing, but... It is what it is, and we'll see very soon as the Cubs continue their rebuild, how quickly they can catch up with the Cardinals and the Brewers. I'm really kind of fascinated with that, but what an amazing day for the Padres getting Juan Soto, and I'm just messing with the lineup. Cronenworth, Tatis, Soto, Machado, my heavens. That's an awfully good top four in the lineup. Yes, I mean, again, and I think, the fact that Tatis doesn't play this year, so in a way he sort of winds up being like a late season acquisition. So adding in Tatis and Soto, uh, two of the uh, the top players in the game, and with all the other guys, all stars you mentioned, uh, definitely, uh, yeah, definitely interesting. Like I said, here in Fort Wayne, we're a long way from San Diego, but hopefully they know the address to, to maybe ship some uh, jewelry later on this year. <laughs> John Morosi says your old buddy Noah Syndergaard down to two finalists, the Blue Jays and the Phillies. Can you imagine him going to Philadelphia and haunting his old team in Gotham? Oh, yeah. I, Mets, fan, Mets fans are drooling over the chance to boo Syndergaard. A, for, a former uh, former Midwest League pitcher, he was with Lansing. Yeah. He was originally coming up uh, with the Blue Jays. Um, but, yeah. It's you know for for guys like you and me here, I love baseball. It has been a really exciting uh, weekend into uh, the early part of this week in, in terms of the anticipation of what could come, and it's kind of delivered with the uh, the drama and the excitement of all the moves. Good to talk to you. Thank you for the time on a very busy day. I'm picturing the best Midwest League media food that I've ever come across there in Fort Wayne tonight. I'm serious. The Fort Wayne spread was absolutely amazing. There's fruit. I mean, I felt healthy afterwards, so always appreciated your organization. Yeah, and and for fans, good food uh, at the concessions here, too, especially the apple-themed desserts, apple pie, all kinds of uh, apple special so um yeah hope to see uh sounds like a good number of south bend fans will be making a trip here to fort wayne this week great weather before school starts so hope to, uh, everyone whether here at parkview field or four winds field you know gets in some baseball again before we uh, get wrapped up in uh football season and everything and i hope south bend fans go over there maybe this week and catch a game because parkview field is a smaller version of a major league ballpark it is absolutely fantastic and i imagine someday fort wayne might move farther up the chain because of that great ballpark you have and always appreciate your time john and you know have a little bit of that food for me tonight think of me and try to keep the (laughs) south bend broadcasters awake over there they sometimes snooze kind of like la russa does from time to time in the dugout (laughs) oh man hopefully no one will be booing for them to lose their jobs here too but uh, Yeah, thanks a lot for the chance to chat with you. And I'm going to have to, before I can get my uh, my plate together, i got to figure out 
who are uh, top two hitters in the lineup are, because, again, apparently they just got traded to the Red Sox since we started this call. Hey, a real one last, you know, yeah. kind of silly anecdote I'll include, and I, you can appreciate this as a, a fan of golf yourself. Robert Gasser was the Fort Wayne ace left-handed starting pitcher. He was traded yesterday to the Brewers as part of that hater deal. Mm-hmm. He was actually – playing a round of golf with our manager and they both found out about the trade oh. via Twitter before anyone from the Padres or the Brewers could even uh, call or text them. So again, kind of just did, a crazy time that we're in right now. Did you see the Red Sox catcher Vasquez found out during a media scrum before the game in Houston? He found out from the media really? before the Red Sox could get to him. Yeah, Ugh. it's pretty, pretty wild. Yes, it is. Well, my friend, be well. Have a great finish to the year, and hopefully we'll see you come over maybe when a Syracuse team plays the Fighting Irish. <laughs> awesome. Or if any Irish fans got a ticket for me to go catch and play in Syracuse uh, this fall, I could use help because <laughs> I was scouting that out and saw that one sold out already. So. Oh, boy. Uh, anyway, thanks a lot, Darren. Love talking to you, and uh, all the best to you. All the best to you as well. Thank you so much. John Nolan. The voice of the Fort Wayne Tin Caps, the San Diego Padres affiliate in the Midwest League. Massive deal today. Luke Voigt, C.J. Abrams, Robert Hassel, James Wood, Mackenzie Gore, and Jarlin Susana go from San Diego to the Washington Nationals for Juan Soto and Josh Bell. So I can even add on to what I said. Cronenworth, Tatis, Soto, Machado, and Bell. The Padres lineup. Wow, drastically better. And when you draft well, when you sign well, and when you develop well, you can make trades like this. And that's something the Cubs are striving for. They were not a great overall drafting team under Theo Epstein. Now, they got Baez, they got Bryant, they got those guys. But if you look at the track record overall, Not a lot of great success, in particular, drafting pitching. Maybe the Cubs are trying to turn that around at the present time. So, Contreras, Hap, have they been traded? As of right now, I'm not seeing anything happening as of yet. There's a chance Contreras could stay, and they get a draft pick for him as compensation when he signs with another team. So, there are still some possibilities for the Cubs to benefit from Wilson Contreras being on their team. 528 is our time. I'm Darren Pritchett. When we come back, we'll get to our Twitter question of the day, then a conversation with Notre Dame basketball coach Mike Bray. And later on in the program, Mike Singer, Notre Dame football recruiting insider for Blue and Gold Illustrated. Blueandgold.com will join me. A lot of noisiness involving Notre Dame football recruiting. Over the past week, we'll talk about Dylan Edwards, who flipped or actually decommitted from Kansas State and might flip to Notre Dame. You got Kenny Minchie. Notre Dame has offered him. He's a Pittsburgh quarterback commit. And what about Bowen and Keeley visiting other schools? Is that something to be concerned about? Mike has all the answers for you coming up at 607. It is 529. I'm Darren Pritchett. This is Budweiser's Weekday Sports Beat from Sports Radio 960 WSBT. Pet lovers. This is the Budweiser's Weekday Sports Beat Twitter question of the day from Sports Radio 960 WSBT.
534 at Sports Radio 960 WSBT. I'm Darren Pritchett. Sports Beat rolls on. Major League Baseball trade deadline 26 minutes away. As of right now, Wilson Contreras, Ian Happ, still members of the Chicago Cubs. They're actually in the Cubs clubhouse right now at Bush Stadium in St. Louis, just waiting like the rest of us to find out what their future holds. Let's get to our Sports Beat Twitter question of the day, which is posted every weekday on my Twitter account at 960 Sports Beat. Yesterday's question, which of these four players do you believe will have a breakout season for Notre Dame football? The choices, big defensive end, Riley Mills. Nose, Jacob Lacey. Wide receiver, Dion Colsey. And center, Zeke Carell. Well, the guys in the middle of the defensive line usually don't get a lot of attention, a lot of love. And Jacob Lacey did not get a lot of love in this question. 4.3% of the vote. Center, Zeke Carell who maybe has pushed Jared Patterson to guard. Carell got 6.5%. The battle for first was close. The guy I would have voted for, big defensive end Riley Mills, second in the voting at 43.5%. And winning the vote yesterday, wide receiver Deion Colsey. A skill position guys always get a lot of love in these type of votes. Colsey got 457 percent of the vote thank you so much for voting we greatly appreciate it but don't stop voting a new question is up right now on my twitter account at 960 sports here is today's question if you have cut back on going to notre dame football home games or you're not going anymore what's the number one reason why among these four choices covid the price of the tickets, the price to travel, or you'd rather watch on high-definition TV. Obviously, a few years ago, the Notre Dame streak of sellouts at home ended, and I believe only two of the last nine home games have been a sellout. So there have been tickets available for Notre Dame football games. Now, that might change this year with the new head coach, and Marcus Freeman. A lot of excitement around the program. Although I think if you want to go to the Clemson game, you have to buy a second game, I understand. So if you have cut back on going to Irish home games, what's the number one reason why among these choices? COVID, price of tickets, price to travel, or you'd just rather watch the game on your high-definition TV that looks so good. Bring over family, friends, have your own little tailgate as you watch Fighting Irish Football. We'd love to get your opinion. You can vote right now on my Twitter account at 960SportsBeat. We'll have the results for you on tomorrow's program and a brand new question. We've got Notre Dame football talk coming up at 6.07. Mike Singer talks about all these interesting headlines right now involving Notre Dame football recruiting. So stand by for that conversation in just about a half an hour. Coming up next... I caught up with Notre Dame basketball coach Mike Bray earlier today. You'll hear from Mike in just a moment as Sportsbeat continues. Brought to you by Budweiser, the Food Bank of Northern Indiana, Pet Refuge, 
and Barnaby's of Mishawaka and Granger on Sports Radio 960 WSBT. versus cancer. You've been at this since you arrived here in South Bend. Amazing the amount of money you've raised through the years. It's been really neat, Darren, and appreciate you coming back out with us. Yeah, it, it's it's like old home week. It's a reunion. Same people. Obviously, we always get some new ones. To go over $400,000 is amazing, but it's a, certainly it's a great cause, but it's really now become an event where this family of people get together yeah. it's like a barbecue we get together we hang out family reunion tell stories and of course some of these people have been our biggest fans and basketball fans through thick and thin and and so i really appreciate them you know and and love them but uh you know it's uh, uh I, last night i was leaving our event at, at uh, four winds the fundraiser for the harper institute said mm-hmm. to me $400,000 is equal to 10 years of research wow. paid for at Harper. I go, now that made me feel good. That's what, there's where you do it right there. Because the, the, the saying is what research drives the cures and money, and you need money to do that. So, um, but works, you know, it's a, neat to see everybody. We've had, we've had, we've had to have had 21 of 22 days like this. Yeah. We've only been rained out one time. And, uh, so it's another great day. Blackthorn does a great job with us. Um, we're excited you're here, my man. Hey, always good to see you. And you know what? The local community benefits from this event. That's the thing we always want to stress yeah. to people. When you give money, almost all the money stays right here in our community. Yeah, and that, that's why I wanted to bring up, like, Harper, when we started this, was not there. And now we can funnel some of this money to them for grants. But you're right. 85%, 90% of the money, it doesn't go to the national office. It's not going to Los Angeles to help people, and, and even though people need help, every, this is a local product that, that really helps things. And finally, on the in terms of the golf tournament, I heard there's like 16 or 17 groups in line waiting for next year. Oh, yeah. I mean, that's, that well, tells you a lot about what you guys have done with this golf tournament. Well, the one thing about Rick Peltz, you know, he will hold you hostage yeah. running this thing. So he, he signed up 20 people last night. <laughs> July 31st next year, we're ready to do it, and um, it, it's it's fun. It, it's and, and actually, it's kind of an end for me because I've been recruiting summer school. Once I do this, I go into witness relocation, and Marcus <laughs> Freeman's got everybody till the Michigan State game, November 30th. Yeah. Leave me alone till November 30th, and I'll be back. <laughs> you know, it's the great thing about Notre Dame athletics. When basketball does well, it helps hockey, it, does. it helps baseball, football helps everybody. Yeah. There just seems to be a lot of extra juice around this program and the whole athletic department right now. Well, we certainly needed to run. And then for our men's to win the Capital Cup, yeah. that is an amazing achievement for our men's side to, to win that. That's, you know, certainly a feather in our cap for Jack Swarbrick and we're, we're glad we could throw some points their way by <laughs> yeah. winning two NSA tournament games but uh but no question and, and again being for us to be in the tournament and to have a group of kids my big three Goodwin, Leshevsky, Ryan now have learned how to win in that thing all right now they know they feel it you can only tell them so much you got to earn it and then feel it so I'm very confident they'll lead us the right way I remember before the tournament started when you didn't know whether you're going to get in it looked good but you said i've missed it i've missed it so much you have the rutgers game which was one for the ages the alabama game you're flying playing quick i mean i know it was a weird circumstance going from ohio to out west but 
just kind of put it in perspective what it meant to you being a part of that. From the Sunday of Selection Sunday, where we were sweating, and, and, and sweating more than I thought we would two days earlier, to the Sunday when Texas Tech beat us in a great game, that was the most unbelievable week I had as a college basketball coach. It was so exciting. We get to bid. Nobody cheered because they just were like, <laughs> we get to Dayton. One, one of the great games in the tournament. I mean, we've played Kentucky games. We've played some great games. Stephen F. Austin, one of the great games oh, yeah. in the tournament. We do a reverse red eye, right, all the way to San Diego, play great against Alabama, and dang, we had our chances yeah. uh, against Texas Tech. For one week, we, we got home, and it was like, on Monday, we're trying to go, what just happened? Yeah. And it was it was a thrill. So I, I know we want to feel that again, and, and I, I know our big three do. Mike, through the years, you've always talked about when you're older, hey, big things can happen. And this is an interesting bunch. You've got proven older guys, but then yeah. some young, exciting guys that are ready to come on the scene. This seems like the type of mix you like to see. Yeah, I, I think, you know, with a with a Starling who had a great summer, yeah. we're going to need him right away. Lubin on the front line. Since we lost Paul, we're going to need him right away. JR here, our local product from Granger, continues to get better and older and stronger. Marcus Hammond, you know, is a new face too, but he's 22 years old yeah. and played 100 college games. And so Matt Zona, I think, is ready to give us some minutes, come in and help us and do the dirty work for us a little bit. So, I, I'm, I, you know, we had 12 practices, and I'm excited about our group. They're home for a while, and we'll get started. First day of official practice will be October 1. Nice. Hey, I'm out here a lot. I've seen Dane Goodwin swing the golf oh. club. It's as smooth as his jump shot, isn't it? Well, he, you know, the great thing about NIL and these new rules, he was bidded on for $3,700. How about that? He helped nice. us put $3,700 into the kitty, all legal now in this, nice. in this new world. But uh, he can play. And his dad here, Damon, is with him. And his dad is a cancer survivor. He's had some issues, but he's healthy. So it hit it hit. It's close to home for Dane, but Dane can really play, and he may he may win somebody the tournament here today. Just like, but he, you know, Dane, Dane could be the ACC Player of the Year. Yeah, Dane is coming. You know, Nate Lashevsky, Cormac Ryan, three guys that get it, know it, know our system, and some young guys that feel it. And uh, you know, let's. But I but I told everybody. You don't need me now till November 30th. Marcus Freeman got everybody <laughs> occupied. And November 30th, we play Michigan State, and then you all will be looking for me. <laughs> Two more quick ones, yeah. really. With an assistant coaching opening, was there something in particular you were looking for? You I know, know that process yeah, is finalized yeah, yet. Yeah, I, I think we'll be done by next week. You know, the name that's been kicked around is is, is very accurate. Okay. I'm, I'm hoping we can get that solidified by uh, Monday. Young, um, hungry experienced um you know somebody that would fit you know well with you know we, we we came back with experience um last year because we needed to now with with slow and and tony weish we're a little older so you could come with a young hungry guy and do that ryan greer has given us a great workout guy he's 22 years old so i i really like how it's coming together thrilled for hump it was a movie had to make for a lot of reasons and he gave us a great run here but uh 
you know, sometimes when you freshen up the staff, it helps everybody, including the boss. That's right. <laughs> and with an older team for the most part, what was your philosophy on non-conference schedule coming into the year? Also factoring in what yeah. the ACC was going to be like this year. Well, the thing that you kept in mind was we th we play, and we don't know who and where yet. We'll have three ACC games in December. Three. Three league games in December. So my feeling was, and the crossroads was ending. You know, so that one died. That's why we did a home and home with Marquette. They'll be with us December 11th. So Marquette comes to us. The Big Ten ACC took care of itself November 30th. We're, we got Bonaventure in a in an event in Long Island Thanksgiving week. And after that, my feeling was with three league games in December, we don't need to bite off. And we've had a lot of people reach out. Kentucky, we wanted to push back a little bit. And, and that's fine. We'll push that back. Yep. And I'm not sure if they ever want to play us again. <laughs> but, you know, that's just between you and that's me. Right, that's I don't right. know if that one will ever come around. But that's just between you and me. <laughs> yeah. um, so, so, you know, with three league games in December, I'm like, fellas, let's just, you know, I don't want to play. We need to be ready for the league games. And, and uh, there's an early December date. There is a pre-Christmas date, like the 22nd. And then there's a post-Christmas date, the 28th. Like, it's ACC play in December. So, you know, it's uh, – but you still have Michigan State. You have Marquette. Yep. John Shoemate will go in the ring of honor. The Marquette game, very fitting. Not only a great player for us, was a coach. Coach with uh, with Digger, and he will come back and be our ring of honor honoree on the uh, December 11th game. Have some great time off. Your Orioles are hanging around the hey, wild hey, card. They might make it. If my O's get in, I will be there. We have okay. been waiting a long time. Yeah. 51 and 50, 50, 51 and 51. We're hanging around. We haven't been over 500 been in August for Trey a long Mancini time. seen some rough years. I, I know. Uh, I know. So I'm I'm fired up about it. Good, good to see you. Coach. Good to see you, Take baby. Care. Yep. It's time once again to talk Notre Dame football recruiting on Budweiser's weekday sports beat with Mike Singer, the Notre Dame football recruiting insider for Blue and Gold Illustrated, blueandgold.com. I'm Darren Pritchett. We're on YouTube recording this particular recruiting segment, of course, live on WSBT Radio's Budweiser's weekday sports beat. Mike, we're just about ready for the start of fall camp, but of course, there's a lot to talk about with recruiting. It's been a very dare I say, noisy week for Notre Dame football recruiting. Let's start with Dylan Edwards, a running back out of Kansas who is committed to Kansas State but is now decommitted from the Wildcats, and Notre Dame seems to have surged to the top of his list as possible places to play college football. Give us your perspective on how this has all come about for Dylan Edwards. Came together quickly, Darren. Um, Look, I mean, Notre Dame was interested in him last summer. He visited campus in, in June of 2021, but nothing really came of it. Um, it commits to Kansas State. A long recruiting process, you know. I think there's a lot of people who thought he was going to commit to Oklahoma uh, when he was taking official visits, uh, you know, a couple months ago. Ends up um, picking Kansas State over the Sooners, and that was in late June, Darren. So, you know, a kid from Kansas, his dad, Leon, was a running back for the Wildcats about 30 years ago. You know, it, 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 again, his commitment was a really big deal in the state and um, gets an offer from Notre Dame was just last Wednesday. Um, that day, books a trip to go to South Bend on Thursday. So he's booked in for the next day. So he gets out to South Bend on Thursday. Marcus Freeman, that was the day that Freeman 
was in New York. You know, the New York Yankees even tweeted a picture of Freeman. I think it was, he, I believe he was with Foskey, um, you know, at the Yankees game. And um, Freeman gets back to Notre Dame Friday. Edwards was on campus Friday as well. And uh, I'm told Freeman made a really big impact there. And then that night, Edwards decommits from Kansas State. Again, Kansas State legacy was already recruiting for the Wildcats. Just committed. And then, I mean, two days from picking up his Notre Dame offer. 48 hours. And by all accounts, I mean, it looks really good for Notre Dame. Like, I know Oregon's still pushing for him. Other programs still want him. Um, But, I mean, when you just kind of read the tea leaves, Darren, it looks really good for Notre Dame here. And Edwards is a sub-4-4, 40-yard dash guy. Um, my sources call him a true scat back. So, you know, slot, you know, jet motion, screens out of the backfield, bubble screens, kickoff, punt return, you know, all that stuff. That's Dylan Edwards when he gets to South Bend. I mean, between him, Christian Gray, Micah Bell, speedy players in the Irish's 2023 class and, all these guys, you know, are, are going to be up there for fastest guys on the team, you know, with, with the likes of Chris Tyree and some of those guys. Yeah, Dylan Edwards would be a really good get if Notre Dame's able to close on him. We'll, we'll see how it goes, but um, I, I do like the Irish. And once he decommitted, I, I went ahead and logged a prediction for him to land South Bend. Mike, for people that are just listening on the radio, I highly encourage them to go to the Blue and Gold YouTube channel, which we're broadcasting on, you're showing film right now of Dylan Edwards, and it's really fascinating. As you were talking, we're seeing all the different ways their high school used him. I mean, he is all over the place and also factoring. He's a guy that can help you on punt returns and kickoff returns, so this guy can cover a lot of different roles on a football team. I mean, just if, if you're listening on radio and not watching on YouTube, just think of like that. I mean, he's listed at about 5'8", 160. So just think about a small offensive weapon who's really fast and really shifty, like a Darren Sproles-esque guy um, who starred all those years with Chargers and Eagles, I want to say, in the NFL. Like, that's Dylan Edwards. I, I, Notre Dame doesn't really get many players like Dylan Edwards. Um, so I – you know, I'd say Chris Tyree is more of a true running back than Dylan Edwards, but like Tyree has that speed and, you know, the quickness and the agility. You know, Edwards is a little bit more of a, like I said earlier, a scat back who can just do so many different things. We've talked a lot about quarterbacks in the class of 2023. We've gone from Dante Moore to Austin Novosad, and it looks like we're now moving on to Kenny Minchie who is committed to Pat Narduzzi and the Pittsburgh Panthers, but Notre Dame, Mike, has recently offered Minchie. I'm kind of curious your thoughts on Minchie, first of all. And the second part of the thought I'd like to get from you is, now that we're in August, dead period, is it going to be difficult to flip a guy like this? Yeah, I'll answer your second question first. So, yeah, all of August, there's no face-to-face contact between um, college coach and recruit. So it's it's a period for Notre Dame to, like, recruit, start recruiting to Kenny Minchie where it's just building that relationship, you know. So they have a month to do that and then hope to get him on campus for the, for the fall. 
and that's that's pretty much what I, this dead period's got its pros and cons for Notre Dame. Like it it's more ideal that they could just try to get Kenny Minchie up on campus as soon as possible. Um, but, so that's a con. But the pro is I know we're going to talk about you know a couple committed players um, for the Irish you know, who have been visiting other places, that's good for the Irish that they can't visit anywhere for the month of August. You know, they can kind of, um, you know, regroup and, and come up with a plan to keep those players. So, um, yeah, some some pros and cons there. As far as Minchie as a player, um, you know, he's listed, what was it, like 6'1", 200 pounds, and he's a, he's a good build, throws a really nice ball, um, he, he just kind of looks like a you know the type of quarterback that Notre, Notre Dame's had in recent years, and I, I definitely mean that as a compliment. Like he's athletic, um, yeah, I can, competed really well at the Elite Eleven in Los Angeles at the end of June. Um, I would see Minchie as a big get for Notre Dame. Um, you mentioned he's committed to Pittsburgh. I'm sure the head coach there absolutely loves <laughs> Notre Dame coming after his quarterback, Darren. Um, but uh, it, it's. Look, I said that Notre Dame going after Dylan Edwards was going to be an uphill battle, and I was very wrong on that one. Um, some sources I talked to close to that recruitment, you know, were uh, – I mean, I was told very, very surprised if Dylan Edwards would decommit from Kent State, and then two days later he does. Um, for Minchie, though, it, it, I'm hearing the same thing, you know, but feel more confident that it's going to be tough to flip him from Pittsburgh. You know, Notre Dame had him on campus for a camp – um, was it Irish Invasion back in 2021? And, you know, they didn't offer him. They could have, they had a lot of opportunities to offer him and didn't. Uh, I'm told the staff even went to see him, I believe, in the spring evaluation period, didn't offer him. Hmm. So, you know, some players don't, you know, kind of have that chip on their shoulder, like, oh, now you're offering me kind of thing. Uh, it's a little too late. We'll, we'll see how it shakes out with Minchie. Just for maybe the average recruiting fan, let me ask this question. You're talking about the dead period in August. If you are a football coach, and let's just use Minchie as an example, what could you do over the next couple of weeks, communication-wise, or whatever you might do to try to entice him to keep Notre Dame in his thoughts? I mean, Darren, remember when COVID hit, we had a recruiting dead period from yeah. March of 2020 to you could start recruiting face to face again, June of 2021. So, you know, was that 14, 15 months, that was all dead period. Notre Dame built a recruiting class during a dead period. So it's the same stuff. It's just everything you would do in recruiting, except for you can't meet them face to face. So it's Zoom calls, phone calls, texting, sending the kids graphic, just, yeah, good old remote recruiting. Um, that that's that's basically it. So it's just again building building a relationship with the young man. Okay, let's move along to Notre Dame commitments that are visiting other schools. I want to get your take on that in general in a couple of moments, but let's go ahead and go with kind of the news of the week. Let's start with Keon Keeley. We've talked a lot about Keeley in our conversations. Top pass rusher in the country out of Tampa elite player, one of the best players in the class of 2023. And Mike, you can fill in the blanks, but he's been committed to Notre Dame for a very long time. We got word that he was going to visit Alabama last weekend from the reporting of Blue and Gold Illustrated. I found out that was his second time he'd ever been to Tuscaloosa to check out Alabama. He's been to Notre Dame five or six times, so he's been fully locked in on Notre Dame. So what should we make of Keeley? visiting Alabama in late July? 
Yeah, Darren. Um, so I've been covering Notre Dame football recruiting for three years now, and they land a lot of high-profile kids, right? They, I mean, they just do, whether it was under Brian Kelly, Mark Sherman, they land a lot. But there's not a lot of recruitments like this one where it's, um, you know, Alabama and Ohio State, you know, where it's just a total dog fight. Like this one where it's truly – like, I have no idea what's going to happen, kind of. Really. You just, we just don't get many of these. So, like, you know, Notre Dame sources feel like they're going to get Keeley, but then national sources and Alabama folks are like, oh, he's fl- it's flipping. Like, so you just don't know what's going to happen. Again, my, my personal read on it is that he sticks with Notre Dame. But he could commit tonight or decommit tonight. Like, who the heck knows what's going to happen? So, um, listen, my recruiting cover style, Darren, is very much like I'm your next door neighbor and we're just talking. Like, that's that's what I like. I like to be raw and authentic. And I'm not going to sit here and act like I know exactly what's going to happen or, you know, because I don't. And anyone trying to tell you they know exactly what's going to happen with Keon Keeley or Peyton Bowen is either lying to you or they have one of those last names. So <laughs> that's um, that that's that's my read on it, Darren. You mentioned Bowen. Let's go to Drake Bowen. What do you know about that situation? Hey, yeah, Peyton Bowen. Drake or, Bowen. Excuse is, me, Peyton Bowen. Uh, yeah, Peyton, Drake Bowen's a million percent locked in. Glad you mentioned him. I did a story on him at blueandgold.com. You know, uh, Drake Bowen tweeted out a, um, a Lou Holtz quote recently, um, one of my favorites, and, and I asked him about that. So, yeah, definitely go to blueandgold.com and check that out. As far as Peyton Bowen goes, no relation, by the way. Um, This one was crazy Um, this past weekend. I heard just about every rumor you could possibly think of. It it was uh, Oklahoma Friday. He visited, and then A&M on Saturday. All these are unofficials, by the way, so the young men are are paying their way to get to to campus. Um, I had heard that Oklahoma was trying to keep them from going to A&M and getting them stay at Oklahoma Saturday to try to flip them. His teammate is committed to Oklahoma. Like, it, it was – I mean, Oklahoma thinks they're flipping them over the weekend. A&M thinks they're flipping them. And now we're recording this on Monday late afternoon, Darren, and, um, you know, still committed to Notre Dame. And, uh, affirmed that as much to the staff from what I'm told. But uh, Notre Dame's just not out of the woods for either of these players yet. So, you know <laughs> – you're going to have to – I mean, Darren, you could seriously have me on your show every day and, and, and we could talk about these two and it'll be something different every day, like what what the vibe is. But uh, I'm still rocking with Notre Dame for Keon Keeley and Peyton Bowen as well. A um, little bit more confident that Irish keep Keeley than I am Bowen. Um, but, you know, we'll, we'll just have to see. Hmm. Well, I think the word commitment means di- oh boy. different things go. to different people. And I got to admit, you're starting to change me a little bit on my thinking. And I know we've talked a little bit off the air about this. I'll say this up front, Mike. For a long time, being here at WSPT, following Notre Dame football for 20-plus years, I guess my thinking has always been, when you give the verbal commitment, I'm really not interested in hearing you go visit other schools. That's the way I kind of started you know, learning about Notre Dame football recruiting. And I learned a lot about recruiting from a former recruiting coordinator. So you can kind of see where my background and that thinking 
came from because that's the way a coach would think. I mean, the last thing they want, once you get a commitment, hey, don't go anywhere else. You're you're good with us. So that's where my thinking came from, being around a former recruiting coordinator. But I'm starting to change my thinking a little bit, and I'm going to let you kind of take it from here. There are so many fans that are following Keeley and Bowen so closely. There are a lot of people upset. Well, they've committed to Notre Dame. Why would they go to Alabama? Why would they go to Ole Miss? Why are they doing this? Why are they doing that? Offer a little, I don't want to say different perspective, but different from what I just established a couple of moments ago. Yeah, we were talking about this off air. And, um, like, it, it's my, my thoughts on this are not popular with, with, with fans. It, it, it's just not. So, it's definitely more old school of you commit, you don't look, you don't do anything else like that. It, it's just changed. Like it's just more and more every single site. I started covering my first cycle covering recruiting was in 2014. Back then kids wouldn't even tweet out their commitments reporters. We just did it for them pretty much. Like it was just a different day and age, um, you know, even from 2014 to now covering the 2023 and 2024 recruiting classes, like it's just changed. Like there's a lot more decommitments now. Kids are committing and getting offers earlier than earlier, earlier than before. So look, as far as decommitments go, these, these kids, they, they don't owe me or Darren Pritchett or Joe Schmo, Irish or Michigan or Ohio state fan. They don't owe them anything that oh, the coaching staff like they they really don't like if they want to lock in an early commitment to to not hold a spot at a school they really like but still want to look around they're allowed to do that and it, it's the coach's right to be like hey you, you don't we're not going to allow you to do that we're going to drop you like it's it's just it's fair game out there and it's just kind of the wild wild west out here in recruiting um so and and look for for folks who like let's say Notre Dame loses a commitment and that upsets you i i get it that player could help Notre Dame win a national title i understand being upset that you that Notre Dame lost the recruit but where i get i get frustrated myself it's seen on twitter the frustration towards the recruits you you committed do you know what the word commitment means? You know what? Sometimes I commit to go to dinner with, you know, with, with some friends and I decommit, you know, or I was with rivals for nine years and I decommitted from rivals and signed with on three. Darren, this doesn't apply to you because you've been with WSBT since probably before I was born, <laughs> but you know, a lot of people leave jobs. I mean, this might be an edgy thing to say, but what about divorce in our country? I mean, half of marriages end up divorced. That's a really big commitment that people break. So, but we're going to get upset about a 17-year-old deciding he wants to go to a different college. I mean, I, there's definitely right and wrong ways to to go about the recruiting process. There's oftentimes that I'll even get frustrated, like, man, this recruit's doing this, but they're the other thing. But I mean, these kids committing to a school and still wanting to see other programs. I mean, I'm not. I'm, who am I to say that that they're doing something wrong? Um, you, if you go through the NCAA bylaws or whatever, you're not going to find anything about these verbal commitments. They're just for coaches to count numbers and, you know, for media and fans to keep track of what's going on. 
you know, they're, they're very much in the rules of what they're allowed to do. Hmm. I think also, Mike, just again, since I'm old and I've been working since you were born, so I feel really good about myself <laughs> right now. But let's face it, social media has put such a bigger spotlight on all these kids. 20 years ago, I'm sure there were Notre Dame recruits that committed, went and visited Miami, went and visited Florida State, and it went under the radar and no one had any idea. I guess you could have called the Tom Lemming 900 line. Maybe you would have heard something about that. But, Mike, everything's just changed with social media, with so many different outlets trying to cover all these kids. I mean, we're going to find out a lot of details that two decades ago we never would have heard about. So it just feels like there's an extra spotlight. And it's not like these kids are any different than maybe kids 20 years ago. We just maybe didn't know about some of the things that went on 20 years ago. I mean, wasn't Michael Jordan, like, smoking cigarettes on the airplane after a Chicago Bulls game? I mean, like, a lot of it's just changed. It it really has to think that I have a full-time job covering high school football recruiting for Notre Dame, and there's several others who have the same job as me at different outlets. Like, it is – it's nuts. Like, you are 100% correct, Darren, that, like, there's so much more media attention – on these kids i mean recruiting is just so much different just again in the past nine years i've been doing it it's changed a ton and going back to the 900 days with tom lenning boy yeah it's it's changed a good bit there that i mean when i was in high school i had dvd of my highlight tape and i when i would give it to college coaches at like a recruiting fair i would type out the link to my um where you could find my highlight tape and gave that to them. Like, you know, Twitter wasn't that popular back then. Like I I used to talk to college coaches via email. Like it's just a lot different. Um, Yeah. So yeah, recruiting's crazy. I mean, I'm probably not a popular guy right now with my, my takes, but again, I'm just your next door neighbor telling you how I feel. Hey, I appreciate you being yourself and not changing just for the public perception. I, I appreciate that fact. You could you could just say, oh, this is terrible and, and play to the fans, but you don't do that, and I appreciate that. So don't change. Promise? Uh, uh, yeah, no promises. <laughs> <I'm just kidding. laughs> hey, one more closing question for you. Just since we're, what, about a week and a half removed from the old barbecue, you think anything big's going to come from that in the coming few weeks or anything? Or would you say that – I know you always say never say never, so I'm going to back myself into a corner. But with football games starting across the country, high school-wise, I would assume the commitments might slow down a little bit at this point. Never say never. Yeah, I would put the over-under at commitments before the Ohio State game at like three and a half, maybe four, something like like that. So I I think we're going to see more news. Um, for sure. Yeah, that barbecue cookout thing. Darren, I know you love the reports about how the food was. I I, I don't have much there. I heard the mac and cheese was really good, um, but but that's all I've got. Um, Yeah, the the cookout was was really good, Darren, for the for the 2024 class. There's off the top of my head at least three players I think the Irish will get from that group. So with that three and a half number, is Edwards a possibility to be one of those three and a half? Darren, I'm not commenting on any names. All right. All right. 
maybe it'll be on your 900 number this week. <laughs> Make a little extra cash no, on call the it side. A, no, call it at the um, 867-5309. That's there you my, go. Uh, I'll be that voice that comes me. on when the message starts. You know, we'll, we'll work out a financial deal. Hey, right, let's, let's remind folks, blueandgold.com. Football is starting camp-wise on Friday, so if you have not signed up yet, I don't know what you're waiting on, but you still have time to get the greatest deal on the face of the earth. August is definitely one of those times that like, you want to subscribe to blueandgold.com because, look, Irish fans, you, you don't get to go to fall camp, but we, we get a lot of access this fall. So lock into blueandgold.com. We're going to have tons of reports on how the players are looking in the media windows, what Marcus Freeman and the coaches are saying about these players and how things are going, uh, tons of video stuff. So make sure you go to um, YouTube, search Blue and Gold Illustrated, find us there, subscribe, watch all of our videos that come out in August. Um, still tons of recruiting updates in a very busy time. So um, dollar for a year, first year, but a dollar. So uh, there's really no reason to not check it out. Mike, good to talk to you. Good to see you as always. We'll talk to you again next week. All right. Sounds good. Thank you, Darren. That's Mike Singer, Notre Dame football recruiting insider, Blue and Gold Illustrated, blueandgold.com. I'm Darren Pritchett. Sportspeak continues in just a moment on Sports Radio 960 WSBT. Hey everyone, Saltgrass Steakhouse is now open in Mishawaka. Wrangle up the crew and head down to Saltgrass Mishawaka for an unforgettable experience. Sink your teeth into mouth-watering, char-grilled, certified Angus beef steaks. Sip on ice-cold craft cocktails. And don't forget to try the famous Spicy Range Rattlers, all made daily in the Scratch Kitchen. Start making delicious memories at Saltgrass Mishawaka, 5126 North Main Street, across from Lazy Boy Furniture Galleries. Dine with us today. 